This is Susanna Hills Podcast. We hope this message becomes a revelation in your heart and will encourage you to live a Christ-centered life. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Here's today's message. Good morning. Wonderful to see you all this morning and wonderful to be in this, this wonderful time of worship. And as has already been said, just experiencing God's presence from the very first, the very first song. I want to really pray this morning that by the time I finished preaching, if you do not have a personal living relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm not talking about maybe there was a time when you put your hand up in a meeting or you just prayed a sinner's prayer. I'm talking about having a vital, real relationship with God through Jesus, that you know that you've been saved, that you're born from above, and that you can experience His presence on a daily, daily basis. I'm praying that if that's you this morning, by the time I'm finished preaching, you will more than put up your hand. You'll open your heart. And you'll say, Jesus, I want to, I want to accept you as my Savior. This morning, I have a whale of a story to tell you. And I hope by the end, you'll be truly hooked. It's all about this delinquent prophet who gets a commission from God to go to this, this really hectic city, the number one enemy of, of, of Israel, that great city Nineveh the, from Assyria, and he's commissioned to go and tell them, God loves you, but God wants, to rep- wants you to repent. You know, that's like asking a Jew to go to the Nazis and say, God loves you, and He wants you to repent. Seriously. But God had commissioned him. That was the project. An incredibly difficult and a very difficult assignment. And so what does he do? He catches the first ship out to Tarshish. He wants to get as far away geographically from Nineveh as he possibly can. But how amazing that this prophet, who knew the Psalms, should surely have remembered Psalm 139, that even if I go to the uttermost parts of the sea, there your hand will hold me and guide me. Sometimes we land in trouble just because we're doff. Or disobedient. And that's our story today. It's about a bombardment of massive proportions from heaven by way of a horrific storm. It's about a boat which becomes the arena of this incredible drama. It's about a belly of a massive fish And finally, it's about a wonderful burp that releases a reluctant, (laughs) disobedient prophet. A bombardment, a boat, a belly, and the burp. God says, go to that great city Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord 
and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. And in so doing, God unleashes a bombardment from heaven. A massive, massive storm that had seasoned sailors petrified. That had unbelieving pagan sailors knowing that this storm is a divine storm. It is so powerful and so ferocious that they as pagans know that something is happening in the spirit. This bombardment from heaven. And so the simple story is, you can run, but you can't hide. And that's the story of Jonah. And it's also the story of a God who's relentless in pursuing you and pursuing me. The story is of a God who has unbelievable mercy for the most disobedient. And that's the essence of this story. And this story is about arenas. An arena like a bull, like a bullfight arena. There are a few arenas in the story. And that's what the story is about. Often God will draw you and he'll draw me into an arena where he can sort us out, where he can confront us, where he can cause us to encounter him like Moses in the burning bush, an arena, a burning bush, just God and Moses. And many of you have been through that very experience where God has created an arena for you to save you and to sort you out. And it will probably keep going like that. Keller says this, Tim Keller says this, the dismaying news is that every disobedience attracts a storm. Every disobedience attracts a storm. And man, these poor sailors, they've done nothing wrong. They're just doing their job. They're out on the sea. And they've got this delinquent prophet on board. And the lightning striking. And the waves are tumultuous because of this man. And that leads us to the boat. And the boat in itself becomes an arena where this whole drama starts playing out. And many years ago, a close friend and a mentor to me, Leon van Dahl, he said, he said this to me one day, Malcolm, God makes arenas. He draws us into arenas where he can deal with us. Sometimes with tenderness, sometimes with severe mercy. Sometimes situations can be so rough that you can even get angry with God. But when the storm has passed, 
And when you've risen up, and when you've been saved, and when you've been redeemed, and when you've had the breakthrough, you say, God, in the storm, you are merciful. Jonah 1.5, it says, all the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. I don't know about you, but when I'm anxious, there's no ways I can sleep. I know some people, actually I think they're jolly lucky. I know I've got people in my family, not Jill, but wider family. (laughs) The bigger the trouble, the deeper the sleep. And I almost envy them. Okay, there's great molecate on this ship. I'm going to keep now. Switch off, semi-comatose. <laughs> All hell's breaking loose on the deck. And Jonah, the delinquent prophet, is fast asleep. What an incredible picture. Not just of the world. Fast asleep in a storm where God is speaking. In his judgments, when God is shaking the earth. Did you feel that earthquake last week? You know, Jill was sitting on the couch. We just walked in from church. Jill sat on the couch, and then this thing starts shaking. The dog was halfway out the door and just froze. <laughs> and then it didn't stop. Then my little shed outside my workshop, the corrugated arms again. Jill looks to me. She didn't say anything. She's terrified. (laughs) I mean, you know, I don't know how, 30 seconds, maybe a minute. It's a long time when the earth's shaking. I said, phew, I didn't know know Gareth's message was that powerful this morning. (laughs) But you know what? I wonder. I wonder. First the natural, then the spiritual. I wonder. God is shaking the earth. God is shaking the earth. He's shaking your world. He's shaking my world. And guess what? It's not going to stop. Because God is after a response. I know we shouldn't do it. I don't know if I did it much. But you know those times when you are so exasperated with your child, you just grab them by the lapel and just, you can't help it. You just want to. You know like it's going to actually help. If I shake you, your brain's going to rattle and something's going to come right. <laughs> don't, please don't go and shake your kids now. Shake, rattle, and roll. But I want you to notice now, from this arena, this drama on the boat, this sleeping prophet, the drama goes um, and moves to a much deeper level. And now Jonah goes from the boat into the sea, into a raging sea. I don't know about you, but I, I've got a lot of respect for the sea. I, I was in serious trouble in the sea once, and it's frightening, let alone waves crashing over your head and, 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 and that kind of thing. But now there's another arena that's about to be brought into the scene. And it says, 
Jonah lands up in the belly of a very large fish. What an incredible thing. And here we're going to see a downward spiral in his life. And there's always a downward spiral when there's disobedience. Always a downward spiral. And Jonah's in this, in this cavern. He's in this highly confined space that's obviously stinking to high earth. And it says, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet, I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. Friends, what an incredible prayer. That could have come straight out of the book of Psalms, isn't it? Out of the depths, I've cried to you, O Lord. Now this delinquent prophet is in this place of great confinement. He's in prison. Listen, I'm a bit claustrophobic, and I don't handle small, small spaces. When I see people crawling through tunnels, it gives me the willies. And it really does. I can't handle small places. Imagine being in the belly of a fish. Seaweed wrapped around your head, imprisoned. But he says, out of the depths, I've cried to you. Oh, Lord, notice the downward spiral. He cast me into the deep, into the heart of the sea. Your waves passed over me. Your waters closed over me. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around me. I was in the place of the departed, Sheol. And this is how one commentator describes it, describes the process. Jonah is descending. First of all, down to, down to Joppa, then down to a ship, then down to the depths of the ship, and then down to the depths of the ocean, and then into the belly of the fish. But he says this, but not until he was all the way down, finally stripped of his own buoyant self-sufficiency, was deliverance possible. How many of you have had to get to the end of yourself before you found God? I thank God that at such an early age of 17, I did come to the end of myself. I felt imprisoned. I felt locked up. I felt God's pressure on me big time. And I cried out and I said, Jesus, save me. Many of you have been there. Maybe some of you are yet to get there. But you see, it's in these drastic circumstances, when we hit the bottom, when we can't go further, that we are finally God conscious. And then, and only then, when we come to the end of our self-sufficiency, our cleverness, 
our schemes, can God take us, release us, restore us, and free us? A great, a great uh, devotional writer, F.B. Mayer, he says this, Sin is always a descent. We always have to pay heavily in tolls and fares when we take our own way instead of God's. And we must never think that just because we've got an opportunity that we've got God's permission. So often an opportunity comes our way and we're into it. Instead of saying, God, what do you say? Have we taken the time to ask, Father, is this opportunity of you? Because some of those opportunities have been destructive. And we've paid a heavy toll. I love what Jack Taylor, another great preacher, said. He said, disobedience will always take you further in what you want to go. Jonah thought he's just going to Tarshish. Man, if anyone told him this morning, that, that morning from heaven, a little whisper, oh, guess what? You're going to be in the belly of a stinking fish. <laughs> Let alone parking off in Tarshish, away from the Lord. It'll always cost you more, and it'll always take you further. Like the prodigal son, he had all his plans, all his schemes. He never planned on the pigsty, right? He ne- that wasn't in, the, in his, in his five-year plan. But there he was. His sin and his disobedience caused him to go much further than he wanted to go. And that's what sin will do. That's what disobedience will do. It'll always take you further than what you want to go. And so it's, it's, it's so often in the belly. And the belly is an incredible picture for me where we've all been for one reason or another. A place of confinement, a place of, of darkness, a place of complete disorientation. But isn't it interesting that those are very often the most defining moments of our life? I look back on my life and there have been many of those moments. One of them, sadly, was for several years, not out of disobedience, but just out of illness, landing in a place of darkness for several years and having to walk as a man of faith through that time, trusting God in the belly for resurrection. So whether we've landed there out of disobedience or out of just distraction or disconnection or depression or maybe it's not of our own making, but maybe some of you are there today. Maybe it's a storm. Maybe it's the sea. Maybe it's the belly of absolute confinement, absolute restriction, and absolute, absolute confusion. Absolute turmoil. But friends, I want to say to you today, and I really hope I'm not stretching this picture of Jonah too far, 
But I really believe God's heart is this. No matter how you got there, whether it's through disobedience or just being doff, or being distracted, no matter how you got there, the good news is God's hand is out to rescue you. He's out to tickle the tonsils of that big ugly fish who at his time will burp you out and you will be free. (laughs) You see, it's in that belly that Jonah discovers this incredible mercy of God. And many years ago, I cottoned onto this little phrase and I preached a sermon on it. Man's extremity is God's opportunity. When we get to the end of ourselves, our plans, our schemes, our philosophies, and we come to the end of that, we find God. It's in the far country, like the prodigal, that we hear God the clearest. It's in the place of confinement and darkness where God meets us. The usual place to learn the greatest secrets of God's grace is at the bottom. Amazing grace. Tim Keller says this. He says, No human heart will learn its sinfulness and impotence by being told it is sinful. It will have to be shown often by brutal experience. C.S. Lewis says, experience that most brutal of teachers, but you learn. My God, do you learn. (laughs) But isn't that the truth? Isn't it the truth? When we've burnt our fingers, when we've landed up in confinement, when we've landed up in disappointment, when we've landed up feeling absolutely wretched, we understand that we are sinful creatures redeemed by God's grace. And you know, this time, this kind of confinement, this this kind of darkness has been true for the great saints. For Abram, there was a moment where he says, and a deep and terrible darkness came upon him. It is true for Jacob as he wrestled the whole night with the angel. It was true for Joseph, 20 years in prison or whatever it was. It was true for Elijah, a year in the Kelth Ravine. Just the birds and the brook and God. But it was out of of the Kelth Ravine that the Carmel victory took place. God's more at work in the belly than we'll ever know. Because it's in the belly when you can't hear so well, you can't see so well, but God is at work always. Jesus said, my Father is always working. Jeremiah the weeping prophet thrown into a pit to die 
times of great darkness in his life. But out of that comes these deep, profound, prophetic words from God. Friends, Jesus was in the belly. Jesus landed up in the belly of the earth. Isn't it amazing? Jesus says, For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be there, be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. You can say the belly of the earth. And friends, this is so totally amazing to me. Here is Jesus, the sinless Son of God, who lived in the full glory of God, came to earth, was crucified, and landed up in the belly of the earth. But now listen carefully to this. And this just struck me afresh this morning. I think most of us think that Jesus was unconscious for three days, and on the third day, God woke him up and raised him from the dead. Friends, just like Jonah was conscious in the belly, Jesus was conscious in the belly of the earth. Jesus was conscious of Sheol, because Peter tells us he went and preached the, the gospel to the spirits in prison. He was conscious. But deep within him resided this unshakable belief that I lay my life down and I take it up again. Was this deep, deep conscious um, understanding that I'll be raised again. But he wasn't unconscious. So that means that Jesus can identify with any belly of any description, any frightening, dark, confined place, Jesus has been there. He experienced the depth of that. But here's the wonderful news. Paul says in Romans 8, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells within you. God is the deliverer. And there will come a time when that, fi that final stage will happen, first of all for our salvation, where, like Jonah, we'll be burped out into a place of deliverance. And let me hasten to add, Jonah, God wasn't finished with Jonah yet because he still had a couple of issues, as we'll see later on. But in God's grace and mercy, he's brought him out of that dark place. He still has a commission for him. And friends, maybe you've been disappointed. Maybe you've been disillusioned by the church, by people. Maybe you've been looked over. God still has your number. God still has a purpose and a plan and a destiny, no matter what the world's thrown at you. 
so this comes this amazing moment. It says, and, and then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. And out of the belly of Sheol, the place of the departed spirits, I cried, and you heard my voice. And then one brief burp, and Jonah is delivered. In God's time, he releases us into a place of freedom. And I, and I love this. This is just the Bible, just putting it out there straight. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon dry land. <laughs> vomited him out. Man, I'll tell you something. I don't care how, much, how badly it smells. I'm just swimming out of there. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your deliverance. What a story. A bombardment from heaven. A boat for an arena of God's dealings. The belly of a fish. Confinement. Darkness. Stink. And then a brief burp. And freedom. That's the gospel, friends. That's the gospel. I want to pray this morning for two lots of people. Friends, we cannot have worship like we had today without a heart response. I'm going to pray in a minute. I'm going to ask you today, if you do not have a personal living relationship with Jesus Christ, we want to pray with you today. Do not worry about the people around you because it's got nothing, well, it's got everything to do in the, in the sense that we are delighted when anyone says yes to God. But it's your moment. And I'm going to give you a moment. I'm going to ask you to respond to the call of God today. If you do not have a living personal relationship with God today, He's, he's inviting you today. Repent and believe. You'll be forgiven. You'll be cleansed of your sin. You'll be reunited with your Father. You'll be brought into communion and fellowship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And your life will find its great meaning. And then I feel that there, there, there could be many people today, you're in a place. Maybe you're on the boat. Maybe you're in the storm. Maybe you're in the belly. We want to pray for you this morning. And I, I'm just feeling, we're not going to just ask you and stand and pray. I'm going to ask you. When I've prayed for those who want to come to Christ, I want you to come forward this morning. We want to allow the Holy Spirit to move. Whether it's physical sickness, emotional sickness, whether it's challenges you're facing, whatever that storm is and whatever that belly is for you, Surrender this morning to a time of prayer. We want to pray for you. We'll stand with you. We don't even know, we don't have to know anything about the storm. But we want to pray with you this morning. Amen. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this awesome morning we've had together. Your presence has been here so wonderfully, Father, from the very first moment. We've experienced your grace just moving amongst us. We've been thrilled at your presence, Lord. 
And we know, Lord, that for this reason we've been saved. This is what we've been redeemed for, to experience you, to know you experientially, to feel your presence, to have the assurance of the Holy Spirit that, that we are born from above. We're not just religious people. Our, our spirit is alive. We are alive to God. You who were dead in your trespasses and sins, Christ has made alive. And we rejoice in that this morning, Father. And so, Father, we want to pray for anybody here this morning who doesn't know you personally. I want to ask you now, if that is you, please don't worry about the people be, uh, around you. This is for you. This is about eternity. If that's you this morning, will you raise your hands and I want to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website or visit City on a Hill International on Instagram or Facebook for our updates, celebration times, or ways you can get involved. We are also streaming our message on Facebook Live, so make sure you join us or share the post. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. We'll see you soon.